Well, listeners, in case you didn't get enough sports today, here's an ad break that'll tell you how to watch even more sports. YouTube is the new home of NFL Sunday Ticket. And if you sign up now, you'll get our lowest full season price of the year. Just go to youtube.com slash presale to get $100 off NFL Sunday Ticket. Watch your favorite team's out-of-market Sunday afternoon games, exclusively on YouTube and YouTube TV. All right, enough about sports. Go get more sports. Terms and embargoes apply. Offer ends June 6th. No refunds. Are you kidding me? That's what? Yeah, every so often it happens that Ryan is right. 100% right. Not even a little bit right. Tucker Pullman, two points last game. No kidding. My man. Hey, neither does me running shirtless, but that turned out very well. Welcome to the PP1 podcast. It feels like forever since we've done one of these. Doesn't it? Day before yesterday. Day before, yeah, practically. (laughs) before yesterday but it just feels it feels like forever but it's not and that's okay um welcome i'm gonna switch up our thing here welcome to the pp1 podcast as our intro said uh again for the people that maybe don't know how it works it's professionally done professionally done i paid no dollars to make that happen a lot of behind the scenes editing work and and then i just asked them to put a video in front of it so I mean, the audio is all me. That's all me. So I'm, I'm available for freelance. Um, we've got Grady. We've got Grady Sass on the show from Go Goat Go Goat Sports Media. Deep breath, deep breath, deep breath. Um, you may probably know him from Sakaris and Price and Rinkwide, and mostly Sakaris and Price. Uh, but I mean, first and foremost, welcome to the show, Grady. Thanks for coming. Thank by. you. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Sorry we couldn't get this uh, done earlier. I know you guys have been asking me to come on for a little while now. and Life is getting in the way and, uh, you know, Canucks games every other night that we got to kind of get through and digest. And, <laughs> and get, uh, get through is yeah. like the optimal phrase there. Yeah. Like, yeah. He's got yeah. a real sports media job. And so <laughs> ours is just like, it's sports media in a sense. But, I mean, we could go. We could go at like ten o'clock if we absolutely had to. You got a bit more of a, a strict timeline, so you've got some people to answer to. I answer to him, and usually he's just like, "When are we going?" <laughs> yeah, I don't even know why he answers to me. I'm not sure where that happened. That's true. That's so. true. So you're a little yeah. bit you're a little bit more professional than us, but that's okay. Yeah, not not married to a clock like traditional radio or television. That's a beauty of the digital world now is that you can kind mm-hmm. of piece things together as you sew as you go. Um, yeah thanks for having me it's uh it's cool to be here i love the the background you guys have here and kind of the the setup you've all done so the pr- production value is looking uh, pretty sharp i must say you know what you sometimes you have to spend a little money to make some money yes which we're, we're gonna not spend money soon oh, i've been told <laughs> yeah eventually we might have to start making some money again um you know this 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 is podcasting we want to take this as professional as as humanly possible so that you know the pucks on nets of the world, the Canucks conversations, like they just never got, heard of them. They just got big. We've been big for a while. In fact, we've been number six in Taiwan for ages, <laughs> ages. I haven't got the update yet. I'll find out tomorrow if we're still in that top 10, but uh, we, we make sure that we hang around. I should mention to everybody. We are live on the Dean Blendell network. We are live on our YouTube and Facebook channel. So if you guys want to come have a chat with us, if you don't, that's cool too. But if you do, 
hey, there's a little chat thing on the side if you're following along the live stream. It's just like just like the big times. Feel free to come on by. Um, you guys, it is American Thanksgiving today. I'm sure you all watched three stunning games of football, all equally unique and exciting. But the big question I would like to ask both of you is, I guess, first of all, have either of you guys ever done a deep fried turkey? That's no. went well. Because <laughs> I've been watching <laughs> these fail videos today, and I'm just thinking, is, oh. isn't there a proper process to doing this? Because they all look like the houses no. are about to burn down. Or people do them in their kitchens, apparently, with like oh, propane yeah, tanks or anything. Like, that's silly. I don't get it. Come on. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, like, right? I think they give that like a crazy setup. Okay, so obviously there's like the correct way to do it. There's like you're not sticking it in like the big pot, right? And trying right. to keep your temp. You're supposed to have like some sort of like burning barrel almost, I think, to do this. Yeah. And it's got to be out, done outside and on your deck. Like, I don't know anybody personally that's equipped to cook a turkey deep fried. No. So I've never done it. I've never seen one done. I have seen like, you know, many fires. Yeah, the fire video I was just watching. Country. I was just watching before this, and it's like a two-minute long like um, feature video of like all the fails, and there are so many of them. Like houses oh, are on fire, kitchens imagine. are on fire. I just yeah, well, like, a grease yeah. fire—that's like the worst kind of fire, right? Like, and, oh, yeah. and like that's like you know you're flipping in a pan, like you're trying to like maybe you're trying to cook the schnitzel or something like that, right? And then mm, all of a sudden that sucker catches fire. Like, okay, yeah, like I've got a cup of flour on hand to take care of that. But like imagine a whole vat of deep fryer oil and that no. shit catches fire. Well, you be dumb. Who has that much flour? Like who, who has like a 15 pound bag of flour around? Probably some people, but you probably need more than that. I feel like, like that's just crazy. In this problem. economy, not me. No way. <laughs> yeah. In inflation yeah. is pretty much a uh, kibosh that in my household. I definitely, my mother-in-law complains about the cost of baking. So I'm just going to agree with you on that. Yeah. I just oh. assume that it's, yeah. You can't use whole wheat flour for that one, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, we're doing a deep fried on a budget. Like that's probably where the real problems happen. So, um, and I had one more interesting question. Now this is, I've been thinking about this word, you know, great year out in the lower mainland. It's probably a little bit warmer than, what we're getting here. I'm sure you have a little bit of snow sprinkled around there a little bit. Yeah. North band kind of Port Moody Coquitlam. There's some dustings, but not too bad. Nothing, nothing in the city yet that, you know, creates the, the driving, um, chaotic. Everyone forgets that how to drive or, you know, how to put snow tires even on your car. Oh yeah. I haven't seen any of that yet. So it's coming. How cold is it though? Like how cold is it out there? Uh, my computer tells me it's zero degrees right now. So. Okay. So yeah, it's kind of hovering around that a little bit. And you're talking about driving into work. Like what's, what's kind of the, you know, the car situation in the morning? Like, is it really cold or are you like you're at a oh, condo I, or sort Yeah. I'm lucky I'm in an underground parking lot and getting out of the underground is actually quite the challenge. Cause there's, there's a tough corner where you, know, you have the, the mirror to see, but a lot of people come in there and they don't know, They've never been in there before because there's three, there's a P1 level that has, you know, uh thrifties parking lot. And some people are just so timid. And I mean, I don't blame them because it's, it's a tight corner, but if you live there for a year, you kind of get used to it after a while. Right. Um, Makes sense. And then, you know, trying to, trying to get onto the highway or fly down Hastings to get to downtown as quick as I can. Um, 
so yeah, it can be a challenge, but I'm lucky I live right by a SkyTrain. So sometimes I just take that, put the put the earbuds in, fire up the PP1 podcast and Oh, he knows. He knows. It's well, good, good plug there. So oh, my, my big question, my big question to both of you guys, because I've been thinking about this a lot. I drive around uh, town a lot for work and, you know, we're getting into the colder season, obviously, especially in Kelowna, like we're in the minuses pretty regularly, not the the big ones, but enough mm-hmm. there you're going to you're going to have the heat on. So I, I want to know with you guys, what's the what is your preferred car setting? Are you high heat on the feet or are you the hot heat in your face? Do you like a nice mix or like what's what's your jam? Like what do you prefer on your drive? Ted, go for it. Uh, I think so. I just assume that everybody's like this. So you warm the car up with like the like the high heat and the defrost mix. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's yeah. like kind of in your feet. <clears throat> and then when I get in there, I think like you start driving, the thing automatically goes down to three and then you're in the car for about 15 minutes. And then it's down to like a one on the feet. Yeah. And then maybe, maybe you're switching to like half and half, but I prefer like, I don't really like having the hot air, like blow on my face actually like in noise. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah. What about like hand yeah. level? Do you like tilt it just so it's just hands, not at your face? Like no, because it's just like blowing like blowing at me, and like you, nobody wants to like get into their car and then like disrobe, right? So like yeah, I don't mind driving with like my hoodie on. Like I can drive with my jacket on or whatever. It's not a big deal. I'm comfortable, but I'm not into having to take layers off. And to me, there's nothing worse than being like hot in a car. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, so I'm I'm with it. you there, Teddy. I usually okay. have like a sweater or a jacket. Yeah. Um, I don't get that cold. I guess maybe because it's some like a bigger fella. Um, a lot of, a lot of meat, whale blubber wrapping me, keeping me warm. Yeah, I, got, I got hair, man. That's that's the same thing. Yeah, much. That works. Yeah. yeah. Um, I kind of just let the temperature, you know, whatever it is in that car. If like we don't get, it doesn't get cold enough really down here for me. And by the time I get out of the underground parking lot and driving along, like. I don't really notice it. Now, mm. my girlfriend does this weird thing where she likes the cold breeze. So she cracks the window down and just pumps the hot air on her. And like, oh. that irritates me so much because I'm getting different temperatures coming all in, coming all uh-huh. over me. And I, I was just like, <laughs> no, I want to just be myself. I'm content with She's my body the clip. temperature. We've already got the clip. There we go. There we go. We've I'm already got the clip. Myself. How about like, like in the summer? I just myself. You did exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's like good, good comment, good comment. So, yeah. like, what about the summer then? Does your girlfriend do like the the full down window, full AC blast? Is she one of those? Yep. Yeah. They're and a special like, breed. Why? That's they're a special breed. That's not efficient whatsoever. She likes the like, it's, yeah. it's fun. Yeah. It's like you seen that Family Guy, where uh, as I seem to see this clip pop up on like Facebook a lot. But uh, Peter picks up this guy and he's like, I think he was Ubering or something. He's like, hey, like, do you want windows down or or air conditioning? He's like, have you ever done both? He's like, what? And he, <laughs> so sure enough, just cruising. He's like, thank you, stranger, for like opening my mind kind of thing. Like it's this unknown world that people live in. So it's it's <laughs> interesting. It's it's a choice, basically. I, I, I don't know. I, I'm windows cool. usually. Full disclosure, when I saw that in the prep notes here, I thought you meant like you're sitting back in your seat, your feet up blasting. And I'm just like, man, <laughs> nobody needs to smell my stinky feet. Yeah. The cold air projecting <laughs> through. 
So I was fully prepared for that, but I'm glad. I think it's better I started then, right? It's better that I kind of threw out the question instead of just let you assume. I'm like, oh, that wasn't what he meant. meant. Okay, good. What what season is it again? Exactly. Good to know. Good to know. Um, This is a Canucks-based show, so I guess the people that have actually tuned in and are still listening uh, 10 minutes in would probably want to know what we're going to talk about for the Canucks. So things have been up and down. We're out of the Bedard sweepstakes for this week anyway. Big win in Colorado. The Canucks are scoring at a rampant pace. They're also letting in yeah. goals slightly more than they're scoring, which is uh, never a good thing if you're letting in more than you're usually losing. Um, but before we get to like the, the team itself, there's some things that we all now know. Bo Horvat is tied with Connor McDavid for most goals in the NHL, which I did not have on my bingo card this year. I don't think anyone ever would have said that sentence in its entirety. Now, I just kind of clicked in on this last night. You guys have obviously seen the Connor McDavid Bo Horvat commercial. Yes, Ted. Yeah, I'm sure yeah. you've seen it at least once. Um, is there like a, a small possibility that that commercial like unearthed this like extra gear? Oh, I've never thought of it like that. I know, I know. This is what we do. We bring out the really hard hitting questions that. No one will ask. Mainly, they probably shouldn't. But I was just thinking, maybe that's maybe that's the key. So I guess who would be the next guy to be in a commercial, and who would be the other superstar? So who's the connects, whoever, and then the superstar that we basically leech talent from? The top uh, like a Leon Drysaddle, Elias Patterson, perhaps. Ooh, that would be yeah, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Get out mm-hmm. a bit of like the like European flair, yeah, of some sorts. Mm-hmm. I don't know what they'd be selling. Uh, cars, cars, yeah, German, <laughs> yeah. German automobiles, German cars, yes, yeah, yes. I don't know. What about, uh, what about like Quinn Hughes, Kale McCarr? Like that would be fun to just maybe add some goal scoring to that Quinn Hughes. S to fill him, fill him right out. Fill him right out. Yeah, and then, and then he's just maybe... like the complete D-man, right? I like that. I like that. I think, uh, or we could have... I like I mean, the dry settle one better, I think, though. I think they'd be interesting together. I think that would be... I think they both have some salesmanship to do there. I think that could work out. And I mean, they're, they're just good enough, but there's probably a little bit of like that shy awkwardness in there as well. Hey, Petey's done the Capilano Audi. No free That's ads, true. No, but, That's uh, true. So That's he has true. experience with it. That's you know, true. And I think like he seems like one of those types of players that wants to build a brand outside of hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, Petey, yeah. You've, you've seen some of the ads he's done with, uh, I forget what headphone company it was with, but um, you know, kind of coming out of his shell, uh, showing us the personality. And I, I don't have to tell you this, but are you guys this but like we all know hockey players aren't the most interesting people so the more we can kind of see the personality i think the more um they can you know people can actually relate to them other than oh he's just really good at putting a piece of frozen rubber in the back of a net right so um, that's true i think i think as you see him kind of mature here uh he'll really kind of um you know build that brand of himself off the ice now you could say, okay, over the last year or so, like he wasn't performing up to the standards on the ice. So why would he, you know, put all that, 
time and effort into doing that because you can you can hear the naysayers. Oh, he's he's spending more time doing ads and commercials and he's not focusing on hockey, blah, blah, blah. Like as if yeah. you know what his day-to-day regimented schedule is, right? Um, so yeah, I think Pedersen would be a good one. Um, you know, oh, who else here? Uh, I think Pedersen could have his own uh, probably candy commercial after last game. Yeah. So <laughs> Swedish that fish. Was weird. That was yeah. something. Ted, you Swedish saw that fairies. too? I didn't so see that... the Swedish fish thing. Though. Okay. So um, right, it was right at the end of the game too, wasn't it? Like on the mm, power play. Yeah. And a fan in Denver threw a bag of candy at Pedersen at the fit hit him this and then a bag of candy just explodes there's like gummy bears there's like i think like sour patch kids and stuff just all over the place which he's is helping clean it up like, too i love yeah that. he's gonna like, go like <laughs> full, like marshawn like, with the skittles but he's just gonna go like swedish fish or swedish berries like yeah. that seems yeah. like, like he's sitting on something that could be huge the swedes have always like been good like that like you know, Zetterberg kind of had his own thing, this whole persona, like, in hockey, outside of mm-hmm. hockey, like, Lundqvist, obviously. But you see kind of some of that in PD for sure. So, I don't know. It could be something there. I like this whole Swedish fish idea, though. That's kind of cool. It's uh, He's now the candy man. But we can't say it three times. Otherwise, we got some problems. Uh-oh. We got some problems. So we don't need to get into uh, to a horror situation. So, um We'll get into the Canada soccer in a little while because that's obviously the big the talk. But again, let's get back to the Canucks. They they did beat Colorado. Probably I know Colorado was you know hurting as far as injuries go, and the Canucks definitely helped that along, which was kind of nice. But they they basically won a game where we all assumed that they were going to lose. Things have been kind of yeah. teetering. Grady, you're kind of in the the epicenter of where this is all going down. We're kind of seeing this from afar. Um, what what are your thoughts on kind of what's going on right now? Like, is this team about to like kick out of the the slump that we we're all hoping they'd continue? Or I'm gonna say probably not. However, last night was one of those games where you actually saw some progression at five on five. Um, yeah. Anytime you can hold, you know, those big guns of McKinnon and McCarr to, you know, only power play, play production, I think you're doing something right. Um, mm-hmm. There's been so much talk about the defense, lack of defensive structure, and, and rightfully so. Um, so I would say if we kind of start to see that, especially against Vegas here, like there's a juggernaut test that they're they're going to get kind of thrown to the wolves against them on Saturday in uh, at T-Mobile there. Um, you know, if they can kind of follow up that performance that they did last night and their power play continues to produce like it has, like one of the best in the league, I think it's like fifth overall or something. Yeah, they're clipping last for time sure. I checked. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, we all know the big issue is is the PK. So if they can figure that out, um, the thing that really stood out to me was how good Pedersen was uh, at limiting McKinnon and kind of that two-way emergence you're really starting to see out of him in all situations uh, especially on the penalty kill like the way he's reading shooters and the anticipation and getting his stick in the kind of the, the shooting lanes and the passing lanes and I think it's I think it's years of working a power play and then he's so such a smart player and so cerebral in the sense that like all those reps he's had on the power play all the, the over the years, he can kind of turn that around 
and use that to his advantage when he's on the penalty kill because he can read players. He knows he can exploit them and pressure them into space that they may not feel comfortable with. Um, and then at five on five, you know, did a great job at limiting McKinnon. Like I think the McKinnon's course, he was like 48% um, or sorry, Pedersen's course, he was 48% against McKinnon's and that's pretty damn good against one of the best players in the world. Um, all things considered. So you're really starting to see uh, his uh, defensive two-way game come to light. For the longest time, like you would see Horvat get those matchup roles. Mm-hmm. Um, and now I thought it was interesting. Like Bruce mentioned at practice the other day that uh, probably won't see PD doing matchup roles as much because he wasn't good at face-offs. And yet last night, like he looked so good at it. Um, and now you see him on the PK kind of, uh, shutting teams down in that regard. So if they can figure that out and, you know, maybe they move Miller off, uh, of the second unit, uh, and put a guy like Lazar in there. Um, cause we know yeah. McKay with his speed, he's probably not going to come off the PK. No. And then just, another yeah, thing last night. No, yeah. he's too good, too fast. <clears throat> yeah. And another thing last night too, like OEL, I think he only played around 17, 18 minutes. Yeah. He had two assists to go for it, like two primary assists, factored it on the tying goal and then the game winning goal. Less is more for him, I think, at this rate, which which sucks considering what his contract is. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, him and Bear, I thought played particularly pretty well last night and they were yeah. able to chip in offensively. And like we shouldn't be expecting them to chip in offensively. And for so long we've we've wanted the Canucks uh decor, you know, to start to produce. And you'll take that, but the last few years, OEL has kind of turned into that shutdown role. Um, hasn't done so great at it, but I think that's partially it's because they've relied on so he- so much um, to play those big, tough defensive shutdown minutes. So maybe you start to kind of work Hughes's um, defensive game a little more and giving him, you know, some of those minutes. And then uh, if they can figure out what to do with Stillman or if they keep Burroughs in, which I hope they do, because I absolutely mm-hmm. love what he brings, you know, game in, game out when he's in the lineup. Um, they don't need to, they don't need great goaltending, but they can't have crappy goaltending if they're going to have kind of the subpar defense. And Martin yeah. has been, it's almost like the team just feels a bit more confident when he's behind them. I mean, they've been scoring goals for both goalies. Um, but the difference to me is Martin is coming up with those saves when you would least expect it or when the game's tight, you know, late in games. Um, whereas Demko is just, you know, pucks are going through him. You can see that he doesn't look as confident. So if the goaltending can start to rise above uh, where it's been at and they can, here's that word, structure again, add a little more structure. And especially with the forwards, if they can start helping out more, especially a guy like Miller um, on the PK, you really notice it. But even at even strength, uh, if they can start to win that five-on-five game, uh, and then the penalty kill rounds out. We know the power play is going to be there. I'm not saying that they're going to go on this run here, but like there's still a lot of hockey left. And the, the, the one thing is, is that the West is looking like the inferior conference this year. It could be wide open now. Pacific, you know, Calgary's kind of starting to round it together a little bit, although they lost in a shootout. Um, Seattle second in the division, which I don't think anybody had. Um, so they're going to be fighting kind of for those wild card spots with the Nashville's, the Minnesota's, uh, St. Louis looks like they're going to be, uh, you know, kind of 
back in that mix too after their start uh, slow start. So um, there is elements of the game, like the goal scoring is great and all, but they just got to figure out the defensive side of it. And if they can round that out, then, you know, they're going to be in the mix here. Now it'll be interesting to see what management does um, in far as tinkering and, you know, are they going to start to move some guys out or what's mm-hmm. going to happen with Horvat here, which will you know, drastically change things. But, uh, yeah. you know, as as of now, uh, I wouldn't count on them making a run. They're, they're not good enough to be kind of in that contender or even playoff mix, but they're not good enough to bottom out. So they're stuck in that, like, yeah. you know. I think that's kind of where we're Yeah, that's kind of where I was getting at, too. Like, they were on this collision course for another, you know, absolute explosion, which probably leads to trades, maybe leads mm. to, again, the coach getting let go and yeah. potentially other moves. And then things kind of teeter up. Like, it's almost like we're wanting, you know, absolute zero, you know, ground zero to happen so that we can rebuild. And yet, yeah. I don't, I mean, if we're all being realistic, there's no way that that they blow everything up and, no. and start over. That I mean, I don't think as much as we say, oh, we'd be good with the full rebuild. There's no way if they traded everybody, I think we would, you know, there would be a riot of a different kind. It'd be a regular season one. And I think people would be going nuts. I think it's now weird we, though, right? Like, yeah, it is weird. There's like, they're, you're, they're in this where it's like, nobody wants their team to suck. Right. But like mm. they can't do, they can't do, do either. Like they're not, it's like you said, Grady, right. They're not good enough to be a, a team that's challenging for a playoff spot where they can do any damage mm-hmm. at least in, in Ryan. It's like you said, they're not bad enough to warrant a, a super high draft pick. So it's not that I think people are just cheering for them to lose or like cheering for them to, to crack the crack the dance and get into the playoffs. I think they're just, people understand that that 17th and 18th is, is a net zero. It's a nothing. It's, yeah. It means that no decisions will be made. Right. It means that we'll probably stay the course and think that we're just good enough versus not good enough. And so that's, I think what pisses people off is that, it's it's not that they're not trying to make a decision. It's that the roster that they built doesn't really allow them to make these decisions. And then making them is going to cause. It's almost like showing your hand, right? Like yeah. now I've been I've been riding the fence for so long. Now I have to decide whether I'm going to go with Plan A or Plan B, and and that's gonna that's gonna really polarize things for like a huge majority of the fan base, probably fifty percent, right? I think. And anytime you're doing that with a fan base, I think everybody says it when new regimes and new ownership take over that they're going to make changes and big things are going to happen. And that is all good until people's jobs are on the line. And then like, it would be great to, <laughs> yeah, it'd it be great to go in and make things like just make decisions carefree, but that just never seems to be what happens. Right. And yeah. then they, then you look at like the goaltending, so, like, spot. Grady, yeah. Like Grady, you're talking about Demko and which has been, you know, uh, a, nobody saw that coming. No, like we were all talking Vezina this year, yeah. and thankfully Spencer Martin goes. I think he's is it four one and one or or five one and one, one now. Season? So yeah. I mean, again, we're all freaking out. The sky is falling. Oh, Demko's letting in goals that we're losing games. And then Spencer Martin comes in and he's winning games. Okay, well then we're gonna be okay in in the you know immediate future that Demko can hopefully figure whatever is kind of ailing him, and we've got a guy that we all thought would be able to handle this job last season. And he has. And then we start looking at, again, we talk about how the season started. Like they have one of the best power plays in the league. They're one of the top scoring teams in the league. Yeah. And yet 
they're the 30th team for goals against and you know pk so like there's all these really weird narratives and like we used to talk about secondary scoring and how that was such mm. a big deal i don't no one's no one's yelling about that right now we're like well no it's kind of okay we're getting an ethan bear we're getting a sheldon dries we're getting all these things happening oh look who just scored the other day like brock bester's not scoring yeah but bo horvat is or mm-hmm. you know quinn hughes is getting assists oh that's great like there's all these really weird like bumps in the road and you don't want to flatten out one so that one kind of rises because it's going to create this new problem like do we want to do that or yeah. do we want to subscribe to a or b like ted was saying it's we this was of all the years like we'll talk about bedard in a second here of all the years to you know tank if you will and again that's not even a guarantee because of the the draft lottery yeah. but of all the years like we joked about this two seasons ago and i mean here we are and the canucks actually have uh, i mean a legitimate shot at them at the same time things are going just well enough where they could play themselves out of that talk within like a month so it's we're in like this weird not bizarre world but it's almost just like we almost need a decision either way like are we it's pretty bizarre it it, it is i mean it is bizarre but not a bizarre world where things are going well or something but it's we're in just such a funky situation where you're right ted i think we i just want to know some kind of decision i want to know where this needs to go are they going to move on a Bo Horvat, like, are they going to try to make that happen? Or is it like they're saying and it isn't and they're going to have to move them? Maybe it's at the deadline. Like, how long is each of these situations going to continue? And I think, again, in a year where there is, as the quotations, generational talent comes through, I don't know. I mean, that would be a pretty awesome thing to have a guy like Connor Bedard if we're going to lose a few players. Again, not guaranteed, but I mean it'd be a great year to maybe be okay with losing a few extra games and parting off some pieces and starting to get draft picks. If people know how to get those. Yeah. And it's not, for me, it's not even the process of, Oh, let's get Bedard. Let's get Bedard. It's it's, sorry. It's the process of knowing what you are and, and selling off some assets and building up the system the way it should have been done for let's face it, the last 10 years. I mean, Mm -hmm. This team right now is capped out. They don't have really any stud prospects in the pipeline. And the ones that they do have uh, aren't really, you know, living up to expectations. Like Lecker Mackey in Sweden, I think he's got like four points and whatever, four or five points in how many games. Mm-hmm. Um, Todd Colson hasn't scored this year. Hogline, and I know they're not prospects, but they're still in that kind of young window. Um, Hoglander has one goal. You look down at, you know, what's happening with Rathbone. This guy can't get into the lineup. He's just sitting in the press box. And let's remember, like, he missed a lot of hockey the last few years, both with injuries and with COVID. He's one of those guys that's probably too good for the AHL. But so far at the NHL level, he hasn't proved himself. So, uh, and the only way to prove himself is to actually get in. And there's guy like Bradley Stillman that's blocking him. Now, mm-hmm. for me, I would put burrows ahead of Rathbone just based on the way he's played um but going back to the whole thing it's you know you don't need I mean Bedard would be great and like the storylines could you imagine you know the phenom the local boy coming in and I'm not even so sure he would actually fix things entirely but he would give that 
glimmer of hope to fans who just wanted a true sustainable contender. Cause at least that would be like, okay, we have this building block. And if they did actually want to, you know, blow it up, which I don't think is the best way to go. Like, I still think you can build around Patterson and Hughes you could probably make the argument for Demko too. Although um, if they really wanted to rebuild, you know, trade a goaltender who's still on a great contract. Now he hasn't played anywhere close to standards this year, but the point is, I think that they can, they still, Pedersen and Hughes, yet, albeit they're starting to get closer to that mid-20 range where um, might be starting to get a little too old. But the point is, is that you have the foundational pieces to build around. And I don't think just blowing it up and restarting that is the best route because that's going to be another three, four years. And who wants to sit through that? And that's a lot, a lot of pain. Like you think this is bad right now? If they actually committed to a full-on rebuild, man, it would get dark and it would get, you know, apathy would set in. But there would be that faction of fans like, okay, well, at least they're doing it, you know, the right way after all these years. I lived in Toronto for six and a half years, kind of right before the Matthews time. And and they purposely tanked. Like one of the few teams that actually have tried them along with Buffalo trying to get Eichel or trying to get McDavid and they ended up with Eichel. Um, it doesn't really happen that much for teams to actually purposely be bad and rebuild. Yeah. Um, I mean, the great example is, is kind of the LA Kings. They were able to keep that core of Kopitar, you know, Dowdy quick. Mind you, they, they gave out some pretty steep contracts to those guys, but they, you know, they won their Stanley Cups and they had earned mm-hmm. it. But Winning what they everything. Exactly. Absolutely. It's the ultimate uh, cure of potion. Um, but they, they knew what they were. They said, okay, well, we can't build what we have now is not going to get us to where we need to be in a couple of years. So, and same thing with the Rangers, like the letter that they sent out to their fans and now look at them. Like it's, it's incredible to me to see teams like LA and Anaheim and even now Detroit, like, you know, they were good for however many of years, then they sucked for a bit. They built their system back up and now they're starting to take those leaps and where have the Canucks? The Can- where have the Canucks been? They've been in that in-between zone where they don't even know what they are. They never could have committed to a full rebuild. It's like they they're in the know, they had this Yeah, they're in the, the worst possible place. Like you can't serve two masters at once. You can't try to be competitive. You can't try to be, you know, rebuilt. Um yeah. so you gotta just stick to one plan. And I thought when Brotherford and Alvin came here, I'm like, okay, betting's gone, they're gonna do things yeah. the right way. And like for the most part so far, not much has changed. Um, the McKay of signing in the summer, while I like the player, like they didn't need to add more Why? term and dollars on the wing when they already Uh-oh. when they already had in, right? Um, for on an ELC, like man, you know, there wasn't a lot out there. my language right now. There wasn't a lot out there on the back end to improve, but you know, a guy like John Marino would have been a nice addition. Um, shoulda, coulda, woulda in hindsight, but they committed more term and money to, you know, something that they already had a lot of, and they failed to address the most pressing issue that was the back end of the decor. Now a healthy Demko or a Demko that's living up to expectations would still mask a lot of the warts, just like it has been the last few seasons and even going back to Markstrom. But this is what happens when you have a goaltender who. Uh, has covered up a lot of your issues and he doesn't live up to expectations. And, um, you know, it, it sucks to see that he's not playing at this level, but 
this is kind of uh, the ramifications of, you know, ignoring your biggest pressing need in the off season. Um, the goals are nice, but I think we'd all trade like, like it's crazy. They have three guys right now in Miller, Horvat, and Pedersen who are all in pace for 40 or above goal seasons, right? Um, yeah. I think we would all trade half of those goals easily for better two-way defensive structure in a heartbeat. And um, probably for whatever, one of the worst goaltending uh, performances yeah. oh, in NHL history. In a long time, bad, bad. yeah. And I feel bad for a guy like Bruce who ultimately is going to wear this here at some point. Now, a lot of Boudreaux's teams, if you looked over the past few years, they don't play with that structure that, you know, pretty much all organizations want. Like most coaches in the NHL, if they could win 2-1, 3-2 and kind of just suck the life out of the other team, I think they'd be happy with a dull hockey. Sure. But Boudreaux's teams, have, Boudreaux's teams have never played like that. So, and this goes back to Aquilini hiring a coach before he hired the president of hockey ops and the general manager who um, are supposed to bring in, you know, their own guy. Right. So now you have this disconnect of, well, what are we, what systems are we going to play? What, what's the identity of the team? And in the off season, like there was that waiting game, like, Oh, is Boudreaux going to be back? Is, is Boudreaux's Alvin and Rutherford's guy? Um, you know, Matt Sakaris talked a lot about that on the show and it took a lot of heat for it, but now it's looking like it's, he was for the for, he was right about that because yeah. everything we've heard in the media from Rutherford's mouth himself, like he doesn't he will shit on the structure at any chance he can. Um, you don't see him really backing the coach, uh, giving confidence to him about his job security going forward. Now you can take that as well. He's being honest with the team, but I don't think that's the message that fans want to hear. Fans want the organization to be on the same page from yes. the top on and, and it, leadership starts at top starts at the athlete it works its way to the president of hockey ops all through the management scouting staff and down into the coaching staff well if they're not on the same page how do you expect the players are going to be on the same page the players as much as they want to say oh we don't listen to the media and social media they're tapping there's no they way know what's not, going especially on, not in this right? market you can't in help this it. market they know what's going on so that stuff is a distraction in itself and that's why i didn't like rutherford going on 650 because it just added more fuel to the fire yeah. it was unnecessary and i'm sure that they had you know behind closed doors meeting about that and maybe bruce wasn't getting the message and hey jim's a seasoned guy he's been a, he's a veteran in this sport he's been he around he's won his cups yeah. Yeah, so that was a calculated move on his part. And I, I just feel bad for Boudreaux because you can see it in his post-game media availabilities. Like he's tired. He man. doesn't even know. And he's joking about his future. Like he's yeah. like all he, the power. He's to with him, house like, money right now, right? right. Like Super he's in a position. Yeah. It is. It's such yeah. a weird season. Like as you were saying before, like bizarro world, right? Like it's when have we like... seen Canucks goalies struggle? And when have we seen these crazy offensive outbursts from players? Uh, it's totally new to us, but it's, um, it's almost like you very back, nice. At like, least they're exciting. It's it's it just reminds me like when 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 season one happened when Aquilini took over, it was like you know Vino Vino was in place or whatever, and then Gillis was brought in, and then you know Gillis made the decision. Yeah, we're gonna stick with 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 Vino and and you know I coach this way because this is the players that I have like if you give me different players I'll coach a different system and and ultimately it worked out and it's almost like all these years later we're sort of seeing it again but it's not having the same impact mm -hmm. that it did before right i'm like okay well yeah. this is my coach i like this guy he's got a good track record 
you bring in the new management group, the new management group comes in. And I think he's hoping that it's just going to catch lightning in a bottle like he did all those years ago, back in 20, what was it? 20, 2009, I guess, wait, with the first couple of times that you're seeing Vino. Yeah. And, and it doesn't happen that way because it almost never happens that way. Like that was so rare what happened with, with Vino and Gillis back then for a coach to make that kind of change and that kind of ascension past that point that we just, it was almost like, are we just hoping that that was going to go again? Because it was so apparent, even from, even from the negotiations from bringing Boudreaux back, that it just wasn't going to be a team that was on the same page. We're still, we're still yeah. feeling that 20 some odd games into the season and it hasn't let up like one bit. I don't care if there's wins or not. Like they're forcing it to, to basically exist, right? Like every, mm-hmm. like, no, this isn't a secret. We all know what's going on. Is he's a he's a lame duck coach at this point, and and you feel the, for him. Yeah, you do. And he's going through the motions, which is super unfortunate. But he's coaching a team that you know you're hoping that there's going to be change. But realistically, like things could fizzle out. Things could you know we could we could ride a, a win streak. They could go on a losing streak, and it's almost like it doesn't matter either way yeah. because at the end of this season, they could just move on from them, which they likely will. Yeah. And they could move on from some other players, which they likely will. It's like this season just kind of sits in limbo and we're just watching it just happen before and, our eyes. And, and that, that, that's kind of it. And another year of Bo Horvath's prime, the best year he's had statistically is going to waste. Another yeah. year of Elias Pettersson, Quinn Hughes, Exactly. Demko, those are the ones year, but that exactly. like they've failed Horvat in his time as a Canuck. He hasn't played. He played his first year, uh, the playoff series against Calgary, and mm-hmm. I'm not going to include the bubble. But he hasn't mm-hmm. played anything since, and those mm-hmm. are his prime years where you know you want him to um, be the leader and lead by example. And you know what? He's done that for the most part, but he can't do it all himself. And it's just, it's just incredible that this year, like he's on pace for what, 65, 70 goals, whatever yeah. the hell it is. It's not going to win the Cy Young Award for sure. It's fitting too, <laughs> yeah. because it's fitting because they just lock up Miller. They right. lock him up to the, like the contract everybody was hoping wouldn't happen, but then it did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then all of a sudden the, the talk goes to Bo and not only just goes to Bo, like it goes like a full, like 180, like, well now, we're talking about a guy that is dominating for this team, that is leading the league in scoring. And, and the price is only going up. And you're looking at the other guy like, oh, oh, I guess we made a mistake. <laughs> like, yeah. like, but we told you, like you and me and the other guy down the street and the guy on the bus and the guy at Starbucks and we all told you and the guy that's been here since day one that you screwed up, well, the previous regime screwed up on that goaltending situation, how that had to be, you traded and got this guy, and you're basically just continuing this entire thing on. So anyway, let's leave Bo Horvat and all that alone. Well, I let's had a one, one Bo Horvat question, though. So, go for it. Go for it. I like to, you know, we asked this question from time to time, Grady, like, Horvat's going to get traded. I mean, we really feel that at this point, oh, right? Yeah. yeah I mean, who right knows good. with this organization, because again, it's silly season, right? So, what two two ways that this can go about? So, what do you think happens with Horvat in a in a trade scenario, and what do you want to happen with Horvat in a trade scenario? 
Because hmm. we all know that what this I, organization, no matter who's here, does what they want. I'll start with, yeah. I'll start with what I want. What I'd want them to, to do is find a team that, and with the cap going up, maybe, but I'm not holding, keeping my hopes up, dump Miller off. And if you just got a, almost like a cap dump at this point, um, dump Miller off. Maybe you find some more wiggle room if you can move out of Myers or Garland. But like, who is taking these contracts at this point, right? That's the big question. You're trying to tr- you try to trade off guys when their value is down in the dumps, right? Like even like Besser, yeah. like I know he's got the points, and I I pointed it out on Twitter the other day. Like, well, at the very minimum, he's he's a point per game, or you know, just under it. But the defensive game isn't there. And other teams, like there's pro scouts watching every game. Like if if the fans and and the media see it, the pro scouts are going to see it yeah. double, triple, quadruple the time, right? Um, so I would like them to, to somehow, and then we talk about the cap flexibility and creating cap space. And it, this goes back to the McKay thing. Like they just committed more of that. I'd like to see them open some of that up. Now that's probably wishful thinking on my part. Um, so going over to what I think they'll do, I think they're going to probably, you know, trade Horvat. Um, now shameless plug here, Ray, uh, Darren Drager on the Ray Ferraro and Darren Drager po- hockey podcast on uh, go go sports said today that the Canucks don't want to trade him and that they want to find a no way kidding. to sign him. No now kidding. you can say all of that, but there hasn't been really a lot of talks between the agent and the team, you know, by all accounts. Um, now, mind you, same thing happened with Miller. We heard about, Oh, there was no talks and it's very likely to trade. And then boom, a deal came together like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I, I just, I feel like if they were to trade Horvat, that's just sending kind of the wrong message almost to your fans that we're giving up on a guy that has poured his heart and soul into this organization is having this career year. Now you can say the same, well, you shouldn't sign guys off career years because look what happened with Miller last year. And sure. He's on another good yeah. pace to start the season, but um, yeah, they, they ultimately in the summer, they made the wrong move, I think uh, by committing to Miller because you can't keep all these guys. And and even if you want to keep all these guys, like what have they proved to this point? Why so you would, can finish 10th. Yeah. Right. Like the bubble was such an outlier and everyone that talks about, oh, they played so well and they beat the defending Stanley Cup champions and they pushed Vegas and they beat Minnesota. But Demko was playing bubble, bubble Demko where he was stopping 98% of the shots faced or whatever the hell it was. And they got rid of That's- all the guys that helped them do it. Right, they got rid of right. Tyler Toffoli. They think, got rid of Tanev. They got rid of Edler. Yeah. They got like all the guys that kept them in and that. I think, I think they, they parted them out, which is great. Yeah. That's an they underlying storyline here that I don't think is, you know, it's in the back of the minds of the players. Like they lost some true care and some character and leadership, I think is a tad overrated in hockey. But there's something to be said when you lose, you know, three guys like that and then. You come back the next season, and the COVID year was just wonky. Like I think that really took a toll on the team. Um, and just quickly here, like another thing too is, you know, the the coaching changes that they lost Manny Maholtra. Um mm-hmm. they lost um, Brad, Brad, yeah, Bradshaw to to Philadelphia to go coach with Torts. Like, yep. you know, there's actual tangible improvements in the in the PK last year after Nolan Baumgartner was was uh, let go when uh, when they fired Green and company. So. Um, you know, that's another storyline that I think is, you know, part of this whole problem here. 
Um, but just getting back to it, I would like them to keep Horvat, but at the same time, if you can get a very good return, and listen, there's not a lot of centers out there uh, this offseason on the open market, so you know, there's not going to be a ton of rentals available. They might be able to really cash in because the way Detroit's playing right now, I don't think they're going to be trading Dylan Larkin. They're going to, they want to make the playoffs after these last few years mm-hmm. of, you know, rebuilding themselves back up. So um, exactly. it all depends on what the package is coming back. Right. Like, yeah. and it's funny how things change. Like we, and we never really rumored, know. Yeah. No. You remember the rumored Miller deal, which was Lundquist, Heedle and a first man, that would oh, look pretty solid. How good right would that now. look right now? Oh, yeah, I just feel um, like I don't know so, if there's ever been a team that's been so inept at capitalizing on on mm-hmm. a tremendous opportunity that's in front of them, yeah. more so than the Vancouver Canucks in the last like decade. And yeah. like, I'll tell you right now, if and they're saying that, data. yeah, I'll tell you, I'll tell you right now that if they want to sign, if they do want to keep in truth Horvat, and and it's not that they want to, of course they want to keep Horvat, but if they find a way to keep Horvat in a career year, I guarantee you we're looking at a career year for Pedersen next year. And that's just the next mistake we're looking at. Right. Not the fact right. that they might keep him, but the fact that he was only locked up to that deal that he was given. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and, well, and why, why would like, if you're Horvat or Pedersen right now and you see everything going on and new management team coming in and what's happening with Bruce, like, would you really want to commit to this team? right now or would you want yeah, to go say, me you know for... i want to be a winner i want please to sign me up for seven though. more years of this tire fire please you know what right. though that's an interesting question because you look at one guy that did sign up for it and he's i would say just as aware of what's going on now i mean yeah, everybody wants to cash in a check and I, the, exactly you look at the one guy that did cash in and it was jt miller now he probably could have cashed that check anywhere else in the nhl mm-hmm. so if it's a great point that you look at Pedersen and, and I mean, even Hughes, I guess. And then, and you look at Bo, what's to say that, you know, well, if Miller's here, I mean, clearly he's buying into whatever the future is. He doesn't want to see this whole thing fall apart either. So it's there. It's, it's, it is scary. You know, what isn't scary though, are the most famous segment in podcasting. We call it dudes and guys. It even has a theme song. Well, it's a modified version. It's not the old one, but it'll do. So, Grady, um, when you're not working, obviously, you do listen to our show yeah, weekly. Great. I'm glad that you're you, here. You probably, uh, you probably even watch our live stream as much as humanly possible when you're not, you know, doing other stuff, probably playing, you know, Modern Warfare or something. I'm not sure. I really don't know. But I got to get a PS5, man. That's my, there you go. my purchase list. Yeah. Uh, if for whatever reason, like you've taken a few weeks off and you're like, oh, they haven't really done dudes and guys a lot this season. Um, Ted, could you just remind Grady how it works? Yeah, exactly. right. Just in case. Just in case. Yeah. So, I mean, dudes and guys. So <laughs> every team has got a dude and every team has got a bunch of guys, right? So it's, it's pretty simple, right? If you're going to be selecting a guy, it's somebody who could just have sucked. It's somebody who looks completely average, somebody who you just don't notice, just an also ran. And then on the flip side, if you're picking a guy, it's someone who's just like literally blown the doors off for you is like by, by far and away the most impactful player on the roster for whatever reason. Mm-hmm. Like there's no rules on this thing. You could just say that you saw him blow his nose on the bench and you thought that was kind of gross. <laughs> like whatever you're into can be a reason that you select a dude or a guy for dudes and guys. So dude, okay. dudes are awesome. Guys are not awesome. And we always let guests go first. So, and we start okay. with, Kevin. so who is your guy for this week? So like uh... not great. 
Again, I hate to dump on him, but this too. You don't yeah. have to go with the obvious. You don't have to pick okay. players. Sometimes it can be mm-hmm. you can go off the board completely. You can pick like the nineteen eighty two. Can no, don't do that. But... <laughs> okay, I will go. Sorry, dude is good guy. Dude, dude is good. We're doing guys first, though. Okay, we're doing guys. Okay, ah, guys, 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 guys. I was gonna say Riley Stillman or OEL. I feel like they're getting dumped on so much, but I mean, rightfully so, especially OEL for the money he makes. Now he played better last night. Um, uh, yeah, I'll I'll go with I'll go with Jim Rutherford because when we first came in and his kind of uh, you know reputation around the league is he was Trader Jim, mm-hmm. and he's talked about well we need to fix this and we need to clear the cap and the structure but we haven't really seen any moves up until this point to you know for him to back his words up so i get he wants to be patient and he wants to feel things out but he's coming up on a year now december 5th right that he's been on the job and i mean the bar was so low from the last regime uh that you know there's been some nice parts here but he hasn't really done too much like you know peripheral moves i mean the ethan bear trade was nice and yeah, i like the been, german acquisition stuff for sure yeah. yeah and like credit to them like neil's amon like he gets a good uh find mm-hmm. on their pro scouting staff but it's just a lot more of like what we've been subjected to and maybe we're just like so conditioned to that that we're almost okay with it at this point um but i want to see some actual moves here and some forward thinking not you know, attaching a second round pick to get rid of Jason Dickinson when, you know, you could have buried him in, in the AHL. Now it's not my yeah. money that I'm playing with. So fair That's enough, true. but true. Um, yeah, I, I think it's time for this team to, to be shaken up because this core is, it's, it's rotten. It's not getting the job done. And, you know, the, the worst place you can be in hockey, as we talked about is in between that, like, bottom of the barrel standings list and kind of the fringe playoff teams. So, yep. and that just kind of, that, that sets your franchise back. So I'll, I'll say Jim Rutherford and, and on the flip side, uh, oh, wait, wait, we don't up. do the other ones yet. We go, oh, we go in a circle. Sorry. You forgot yeah. to say that. I like how you mentioned though, like that the bar is pretty low. Like we're still tripping on the bar though. That's yeah. Oh, like, yeah. even if they've raised the bar, like we're still tripping over it. So the bar Absolutely. isn't exactly that much higher. So Ted, who's your yeah. guy? Uh, this is like, this is a tough one. Yeah. Cause I don't want to continue to like, I think Demko was there for me. I think there's just another blown game, another, another game yeah. with an under like eight seventy save percentage. Uh, but he did have the game in LA yeah. where I feel like finally we've seen a little bit of the Demko that we want to see. So I feel like he's kind of saved a little bit, but the, you know, earlier in the show, uh, Grady, you mentioned OEL sort of going back mm-hmm. down to that like 17, 18 minute a night pairing role yeah. as opposed to playing the 22, 23. And he's sort of become like that Alex Edler 2.0 version, right? Yeah. Like late, late Greybeard Eddie, the best version of Eddie was at 17, 18 minutes a night and not this 22, 23 minute a night version of Alex yeah. Edler who sort of just got chewed up because he was so badly miscast in that spot. So yeah, he's looked really good with, with eased up minutes. Um, but as a result, other guys are getting more minutes. And one guy that's got a little bit more minutes plunked on him 
has been Tyler Myers. And I feel like anytime Myers is up above the mm-hmm. 17, 18, he starts to struggle too. So, yeah. I mean, we're looking at, I mean, he's got, he's only got four points this season. I mean, he only had one goal last year and he hasn't scored anything this year for a guy that they do ask to kind of take on a little bit of offensive role from this team that hasn't yeah. really done anything. So I, 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 I'm just continuing to not see anything out of his game. It's nice that he walks around a little bit as a team enforcer, sort of sticks up for guys when they need him. He plays physical, you know, he can skate. He's got all the good things, but you know, just for the last like five to, you know, five to six games, it, it just, it's, it's looking like it's not, nothing is progressing. Like he literally is what he is at this point. And that's just not enough for mm-hmm. me. And it, it continues to be not enough. So I'm going to start back on the dump train for Tyler Myers, unfortunately. Oh, yeah. it's been a season or two since we've been on that train. Yeah, I've been real good. I haven't I haven't put anything on the Tyler Myers train for That's a like while now, and I've been trying OG to be nice. Guys. But yeah, OG we're back now. We're to, back. to be fair with Myers, like, listen, I'm not a fan of his, but the reason why he was playing those minutes and getting put in the roles is because they didn't have anybody else. Now that Ethan Bear is there, you've seen them break up that pairing. So now maybe that can kind of like mitigate, yeah. you know, some of his ice time Hopefully. and he can kind of play a little lower in the lineup where he's probably best slotted at this point. So uh, I like that though. Isn't it nice to, to, to feel like you need to shelter your six and a half and no. seven and a half million dollar defenseman yeah. in, in lower no. pairing. Like let's, let's touch find a safe space for, uh, Let's find a safe space for $16 million to skate around on our, our back end. Please and thank you. And oh. at the same time, please make sure that you scratch Kyle Burrows. Yeah. Oh, I've got a good one for you. <laughs> he hasn't, he's, uh, he's Russian and he's had kind of a rough mm. sophomore season. Vasily Podkolzin is going to be my guy this week. I just, it's, it's tough watching a guy that has a spark to him and, yeah. Or did have a spark, and I don't know what's going on. I think there's a lot of things going on with that team, as we've we've you know kind of wax nauseum on, but wax poetic. Maybe that's that's the, that's the phrase. That's the phrase people are using. Sorry, okay. Steve. Wax nauseum might work. Wax nauseum ad poetic. I'm not sure. Um, he he's got a handful of assists this season, which is fine, but he's not he's the tenth overall pick. He's got a score. But it's not even that. He's not the pod Coles and he was last season, so far anyway. And again, sophomore slump kind of thing. I get that. Yeah. It it does exist in the NHL. And I mean, with everything going on with this team, maybe it's just as simple as, you know, getting a spark out of one game and maybe just like the fight was a, a, a nice yeah. little uh, little doozy in there. So maybe it's he just needs that to, almost, yeah. Yeah. maybe he just needs to be a bit more physical, like actually physical and not just kind of against the boards or because there is talent there, and I, I think we all know that that there is, and I would just like to see him kind of step up a little bit yeah. more. And usually, when I bump a guy on the show, it seems to bounce back. So, for all we know, Saturday Podcoles and Pots too, and I look like a genius. And next week, you know, I, I have nothing to say but just to raise my hands. And you know, that's if it, that's coach. if he gets in the lineup. But that's yeah, also and true. You, you know what the the underlying metrics are actually pretty good. I just just pull them up here and all this all these numbers and data just spinning around in my head but you're right because at the end of the day it's a it's a bottom line business and Mm -hmm. i think his skill set for what he is he's really sound defensively and he's a good checker he's he's a pretty good playmaker but when you're picked that high and and when you're given chances to play with 
some better players, you got to put the biscuit in the basket, as they say. Mm-hmm. Um, now, it could just be kind of like a shooting percentage dip and, you know, he's he's struggling at the old cliche, he's gripping the stick too hard, whatever it is. Um, it's not like he's looked invisible, but at some point here, the production's got to come. Um, mm-hmm. And he is a younger player and it's just could be a whole learning experience and development. Like development isn't always an upwards trajectory, right? Um, exactly. Case in point, Elias Patterson. So uh, yeah, he had his halfway through his first season. So yeah, it, it I just, I just hope when he does get back in the lineup, like he's not planted on the fourth line playing mm-hmm. nine, 10 minutes a night. Mind you, he's got to show and earn the ice time. So there's a, there's a balance point there. Um, but the talents there, uh, the effort is always there. And, and like him, him on the boards, I've noticed his board play and his positioning on guys, like he's pretty, pretty damn good. All things considered for how young he is. Um, but you know, he's, we all seen the shot. We remember the shot, like his first goal scored last year against the Flyers on our like Bardo no, sniper, high glove. He's got a Alistair for sure. We just haven't seen that. Right. So, um, yeah, it's 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 warranted for sure. Ted, who's your dude? Uh, you what's that twinkle in your mustache? Yeah, um, I, maybe not so much the last game, but I know we go on the course of like a week. But I, I've I've really liked Curtis Lazar's game since he's been back mm-hmm. in the lineup, and I know that it's not his role to score, and it's weird to pick a guy that only plays ten minutes a night. Um, and Luke Shen has been a guy that I've selected a couple of times this season because if he yeah. if, if he's not scoring, he's at least towing the line. And and what else is there for this team right now? Sometimes I feel like right. And I feel right. like especially in that LA game, Lazar was out there looking like a freaking scud missile, right? Just running around, just hammering guys, and it was so nice. It was like shades of Rafi Torres, and it got me so excited just to see somebody out there just trying to drag. I mean, I think he even said it's going to drag his team into the fight. And I think he really yeah. did that. Like you could really see when he was bearing down on the forecheck that like defenders were afraid of him. Like they were, they knew that he was coming and then he goes out there a little bit earlier and wins a big draw on the penalty kill and then plays hard on a guy in the corner and doesn't take any penalties. Like that's the exact kind of player that we're looking for. And I know it's hard to play that role, especially if you're in the bottom six all the time. And you ask a lot of a guy to go out there and play with that level of energy and that level of physicality and only play 10 minutes a night. And I think he's done a really good job of that. I mean, I think, you know, there was minutes and our moments in, in, you know, the last couple of games, I think where things could have been a little bit better, but I think on the whole, he's been somebody that I sort of appreciated in that bottom six. So that's looking like a really good signing and I'm happy with that one right now. So it's a weird dude, but I'm going to say Curtis, Curtis Lazar was a dude this past week. That's, that's how we roll here though. We've always had that mentality. Sometimes, sometimes you got to dig deep. Grady, I know you're just chomping at the bit. You've got one just <laughs> sitting there. You're ready to tee off, knock this thing 400 yards. Yeah. Who's your dude? 400 yards into the bush. Um, <laughs> okay, I know it's a Canucks podcast, but I just pulled up NHL.com, and I was, well, not shocked, but I couldn't believe he was this high. Jason Robertson on the Dallas Stars, second in NHL points only to Connor McDavid tied with McDavid at 16 goals. Um, boy, what a what a draft that the Stars had in 2017 when they got Heiskin and Pottinger and Robertson. Like, talk about setting your team up for the future. Um, we'll never know. He played... Yeah. Uh, he was playing... I remember last year he was playing on that line with uh, 
Hints and Pavelski. I imagine that they're probably still together, although, you know, lineups, line combos change all the time. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I just like pure goal score, um, you know, plays in a market that doesn't get a lot of attention from national media. Like if this guy played in Canada or, you know, say like New York or somewhere more mm-hmm. prominent. Yeah. You'd be mm-hmm. hearing all about him. Um, but you know, there is inside the NHL circles, like he he's getting his respect, but yeah, it just jumped off to me there. Um, so he will be my, uh, my dude or God, sorry. Oh, you're literally just not. Wow. Is this it's, might be a first. Is this a first? It's well, a first. Yeah. Cause dude and guy, are both you made a like, good case. You made a good case. Dud and guy. I don't know. Dud. Duds and guys, yeah. Duds and guys. I I'm impressed. Yeah. Like you, you Duds knew you knew the assignment, and you're just like, you know yeah. what? I'm gonna. I mean, you picked I'm a good dude, like... though, right? Jason Robertson in oh, his last. Yeah, Jason Robertson's last five games has six goals. Yeah. No big deal. No, no big, big deal. deal. Two goals, two goals, one goal. I'm thankful that you left like... my my dude then, because I want to finish strong on this. I didn't think I was gonna get here, but I am happy that at least. He's back on the scoreboard one way or another. The crown prince himself, Mr. Flo, Brock Besser. Yeah. Two goals, four assists in his last five games. He has looked better. His shot seems to be getting better as well. I'm not He's getting them off at least. I'm not overly I'm not overly jacked with him. However, I am impressed that he has become um, a reliable part of this offense once again. And I think with the right opportunities, if they can continue to move this power play along and they can start, mm-hmm. you know, dispersing the puck a little bit more, I, I'm liking the the rushes that he's been getting. I think that his shot seems to be there. I think he's confident in it. It's just getting those opportunities. And I don't know. I mean, I what's yeah. not to like about Brock? At the same time, if it means that it's going to build up his trade value and then we go after and get maybe, you know, a uh, mm-hmm. decent defenseman via you know, wherever. I- I'm okay with that too. But for now, for this week, I'm very happy with the return of Brock Besser to uh, the dude portion of the show. So for me, it warms my heart. I know it warms our listeners' hearts. But, been a uh, it's been, it absolutely has been a minute. Speaking yeah. of minutes, we're at 65 oh, of them. Um, I should just oh. also throw out there that uh, Ethan Bear. Yeah. Ethan Bear's honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, I think the the Corsis are still a little low, working that back up. But yeah, he's looked good since his. Since I was his I was gonna go. I was thinking Ethan Bear, but I figured I, you know Brock uh, needs. Someone I'm just too. curious how he just wasn't able to get into the lineup in Carolina. I don't. It's know. such a deep decor there, yeah, in Carolina. But mind you, Jalen Chatfield of all people were playing was playing ahead of him, and I think uh, it's just one of those things where a coach and player just for whatever reason don't mesh. Mm-hmm. Um, there was some concussion issues there as well. And I think he had some long COVID battles too. So right. you factor all those in and one of the deepest teams in the league and yeah, they can afford not that he wasn't playing bad. It's just yeah. other guys were ahead of him. Right. And that was a nice, like we, we've ripped on the Canucks management a fair amount in this uh, interview. Uh, but you know, credit to them. Like they, they only parted with a fifth round pick. Um, did care? I think Carolina retained a bit of salary, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. They did. So, uh, and you know, there's a guy that showed a lot of promise in his first few years in Edmonton, and just fell out of sorts for whatever reason. And you know, what have we talked about for the longest time with this team? They need 
right shot mobile defenseman who can chip in offensively and you know for the most part and he's physical too like he fits angling guys in the boards yeah like like a lot what i've seen from bear so that's a you know it's a good good one to bring up as well on that like defense so i know ryan we're getting on for time and i don't want to take up too much of your time grady do do you get to watch a, a lot of abbotsford games no i i wish i would love to but it's just when they were in the playoffs last year and puck goals went down, I was watching them, but yeah. uh, no. One guy that I was thinking about that, that kind of has like lugged around on that roster for the last little while and had some, some moments to him in Florida was, was Brady keeper. Yeah. I'm just really surprised yeah. that, they, that that guy like that hasn't got a shot in Vancouver. He's like super physical and he's just like a breakout mm-hmm. machine too. So I just, for a team that seems to really struggle with puck movement. Yeah. I'm just curious I, why he hasn't got a look yet. I remember in camp, watching him at Whistler and just some of the decisions, just puck management and this, the feet weren't there, like skating full on. Yeah. He was okay. Sure. NHL worthy, but like yeah. those tight pivots and the cutbacks in the corners, like the down lows, uh, I thought, you know, you really started to see kind of him being mm, exposed okay. and, you know, maybe that's still you know, recovering from that leg injury. Like what a brutal injury to sustain. <laughs> um, that takes you 12, 16, 18 months before you really start to feel uh, normal again. And he mentioned in camp, I remember doing an interview scrum with him. Uh, he said he felt good, but I mean, you never really know. Two years before you're injury, realistically right? like yeah. NHL ready again. So, so. yeah. So I, I would I like, listen, I love the story and the adversity he's faced, you know, both on and off the ice. I would love to see a guy like that uh, make the jump, but you know, he's got a, the offensive game really isn't there for him. So if the offensive game isn't there, then he's got to be really uh, stout defensively. And I'm just not sure, maybe at the AHL level, but NHL level, I mean, he's only played two NHL games, right? Mm-hmm. So um, maybe if they get really depleted, mind you, I think I think they kind of like Juleson a bit more ahead of him. So yeah, uh, last time I mean, we'll see. Squad that got the call too, right? So yeah, still right, yeah. You got yeah. a few guys to go before. Who knows if them. If if Myers gets moved or if they if they trade Shen, which they probably in theory should to capitalize on him, but there's something to be said about what he brings to this team, the character, the leadership, the physicality. Like the guy's leading the league in hits, right? Sticks <laughs> up for such a warrior out there. Like he's eating pucks, he's chipping like his offensive production is is, is incredible this year. Now, I guess when you play with Quinn Hughes. Um, your numbers are going to go up, but uh, yeah, you know, looking for guys like that. Ryan Reeves exactly. was just acquired for that reason, well, right? Exactly. exactly. So, so sell high when you can, and who knows, maybe in the off season because he is a UFA this year. You revisit thing, maybe you give him kind of like a one point five million dollar, like two two year term. Um, that's if he would want to come back here because he's at the point now where he's not. He doesn't have a lot of years left, right? And he was almost out of the NHL a couple of years ago. So maybe he wants to go to, you know, like the team like he was with Tampa um, a couple of years back. So, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see how they kind of navigate something like that because you can make a strong argument that he should be a, a Canuck going forward. But that's one of the most attractive pieces, especially at the price, right? Like, mm-hmm. especially at the deadline when teams are so up against it and they're literally counting the dollars that they have to work with. You know, that's such a t- cheap deal to make to make it work. So we'll see here. Mm-hmm. Teddy. Awesome. So, I mean, at this point in the show, like we're kind of closing it down to the end. So, yeah. I mean, I would give, I would like to give you like 
take a quick minute. Tell us about what, what Grady's got going on, what you're doing, anything on the sure. horizon, what's going on yeah. in your world. Shameless plug time. Shameless plug. Okay. Well, I don't, I don't know if you guys saw today. Um, Scott Rintoul launched a cool project under uh, the Go Goat Sports umbrella. That's man. I'm so excited just from like a, a fan standpoint, not necessarily like a colleague standpoint. I mean that too, but, just to, to be able to hear from all the guys from the West Coast Express. So it's like a, I'm not, I don't, I don't know all the details, but I think it's like an eight podcast series thing. Basically what he's going to be doing is interviewing the West Coast Express and then some of the guys that, you know, they played with and, and um, some of the people around the team, um, coaches, managers. Um, so that's coming to Go Goat Sports. And if you don't know Go Goat Sports, it's, it's a media network and we have, uh, Ray and Dregs, which is Ray Ferraro and Darren Dregs podcast, which is, I think is one of the best hockey podcasts out there. I, I just, I'm a big fan of Ray so good. Uh, and his analysis. So uh, we got that. We got rink wide with Jay Pat and Wadden, um, which I think, you know, I'm biased, fully admit it is the best uh, as pound for pound Canucks podcast out there. Other than the PP one, of course. <laughs> oh, <laughs> he's so good at, he just knows, he knows. We're gonna yeah, we're gonna be then, getting some DMs from the rest of the Google work, and I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna hear about it. Be like, you need to get him to stop saying all those <laughs> I'm nice things. I'm pretty sure they just DM me right now, and I think it says, Uh-oh. "Beat it, nerd." Yeah. <laughs> That's what they said to me. <laughs> get, out yeah. get out of our space. Get out of our space. And then we have Rinkwide Toronto, which is a Maple Leafs podcast, because I know your listener and audience wants more Leafs coverage. The more Leafs coverage you can get, the better, right? It's the biggest two percent um, of our of our following. Absolutely. Um, so David Alter does that, and uh, with some hosts out of Toronto, it's it's. Hey, if you like the Maple Leafs, check it out. Uh, you probably don't, but I'll plug it anyways. And then, uh, yeah, Scarson Price um, producing that now, doing their social media, and uh, it's it's a lot of fun to be kind of uh, in the know and working with those guys who are you know. I think some of the best radio hosts around in terms of, of how they interact and how they uh, put shows together and, and, you know, interviewing guests and um, trying just to, you know, we're trying to carve out a piece in in the market. I mean, there's so many podcasts out there right now. There's so many different, uh, you know, ways to consume the podcast. If you're a YouTube guy, if you're, if you want to listen to podcasts, if you want to, um, you know, follow the clips through Twitter. Like there's so many different ways you consume it. So just, um, you know, trying to plug away at that and uh, really kind of grow at all the platforms. Like we're, we're really pushing YouTube right now. So it's one of the things I've kind of really tried to take pride in is, is making the show as accessible as we can to all the different platforms and audience out there. Cause you know, there's still people that are new to the whole podcast thing. Like Mm-hmm. almost almost weekly we get how do we listen live to you guys i can't find this well we're we don't we're not live anymore because it's just the data has told us that you know podcast and the digital age is king and that's not to say that you know there's not a place for for radio and live streaming um, because yeah. there absolutely is especially like twitter spaces something we've started to experiment that i think is really cool um replacing that so yeah um if you're more if you're interested in or you know anyone out there listening that wants to um you know, get your company or employer's um, name on the show and some sponsorship, uh, hit us up, gogoatsports.com. Uh, we have all the aforementioned podcasts. Uh, we're on every single platform. Well, 
not every single one, but most of the big heavy hitters, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Ones. Yeah, mm-hmm. the important ones. MySpace. Where, yeah. 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 MySpace, Nexopia. Um, Mastodon, Hive. Yeah. Friendster. Yeah. We're, we're, we're looking at this thing called Only Stand. Oh, perfect. <laughs> That's no, going to no, be no, interesting. No. I don't know anything about that. Um, so, yeah, hit us up. Um, appreciate the support. And I love what you guys are doing. I think, you know, one thing that really stuck with me uh, that Jason Botchford said, and God rest his soul, um, before he passed was, like, the more content you can have out there, the more people engage in the market, it just keeps yeah. all, all of us on our toes, like not to steal ideas, but you can you can learn something from every single podcast, every single host out there. Like there's something to take away. And it's just really cool now. Like I went to school for broadcasting, but I really took it into the social media side of it um, because I knew like in the back of my mind, like this is only going to you know, continue to grow and evolve. And, you know, there's days where I have a love hate relationship with it. I want to throw my phone at the wall because I just can't stand it but um but yeah it's just it's just cool to see for me that like so many different um like factions of canucks fans and every kind of show has a different you know style are they stats heavy are they you know more just off the top of the dome like um it's it's just cool to see to uh see everyone out there and contributing and trying to carve out a little piece of the the puzzle here so yeah keep it up guys it's uh it's i mean look Look what everything looks very professional from my end, from like the microphone <laughs> to the presentation of the graphics. It looks it looks sharp. So keep plugging away, and um, yeah, I would love to uh, come back sometime and uh, kick it with you guys again. So thanks for That's having great. me. Great, uh, we'd love to have you. This is awesome. Thank yeah. you very much. Well, all right, guys, it's been a good one. On behalf of Ted and Grady, I am Ryan. This is the PP One Podcast on the Dean Blundell Network. Like, subscribe, all that jazz. Everywhere you could find the Google Sports Media stuff, likely you could find us there as well. Um, we don't have an OnlyFans, thankfully, for everybody's benefit. So don't bother, <laughs> looking, don't bother looking for us there. But if you want to send us money, that's the next best thing. And we won't give you anything for it, So uh, aside from the show. So um, yeah, <laughs> all three of us, this is PP1 Podcast. Have a wonderful evening. Peace out. It's your boy, Josh Elijah here, co-host of the Down by Two podcast and DB2Bets, which now drops every Friday. We wanted to break off a piece of that weekend action, so we decided to move our show over to Fridays. Now you might be asking yourself, what in the hell is even DB2Bets? What the hell is even that? Well, DB2Bets is our sports betting show that is powered by Betstamp. We use the Betstamp app to find the best odds available across all different sports books. And be sure to tune in every Friday and follow along with our picks. Or don't use our picks. Do the opposite. It's your life. Make your own decisions. Just make sure you line shop and please gamble responsibly. Do, did, will. The Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty 
from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. <laughs>